welcome back to the Spooky Succubus cast for another week. I'm Abby. I'm Rebecca. And we are an anti-capitalist, anti-racist, feminist, anti-colonization podcast about horror movies. And uh, we got our work cut out for us this week. I would say pro-sex worker, anti the current John, you know, like, what yeah the johns in this movie are garbage i feel like i mean first of all like super fat phobic and like pardon but sometimes people are interested in fat women i like i know it's like shocking but wow uh, and yeah i think very pro sex work and um honestly pro svetlana and natalia personally yeah they are trying to live their meat you know they're trying to live i don't you know like you're garbage you treated them like garbage like i'd kill you too probably yeah stop using the word pussy like that often it's like a once a week word okay if that i don't like that word i don't like a lot of words i think language is really um powerful and i think we should you know, I mean, let's get into the F word later on. I don't want to, but I think that I we, don't like, want really to do that, but I guess we have to. Yeah. Things like referring to grown women as girls, which I've done in my life. And I'm like, you know, like things like and like using the word pussy is just like, oh, my gross. I don't like maybe equating fat women with animals isn't great mm. either. I mean, there's a lot to hate, but um we want to thank our listener Marnie who we <gasps> mentioned not by name last week, but I want to give her a special shout out. Marnie sent us a super nice email with some suggestions uh including Get Out, Scream, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, You're Next and Ready or Not, and we picked Hostel out of that list. So if any of the ones we just listed off sound good to you, let us know. Hit us with it. But Marty, this is for. Uh, you're next because I really like that. I liked that movie too. I thought it was yeah. funny. The concept of like a final girl accidentally being raised on like a survivalist commune is pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thanks, Marnie. Thanks, Those are Marnie. All, uh, heavy hitters. I think maybe, you know, like our listenerhood the 10 of them or so are like maybe do some movies that we've actually seen and i agree but um yeah maybe I'm as above so them. below wasn't, like, <laughs> wasn't the most right. like household name but well i feel like we should save up scream for your birthday because no it's that's it's coming. totally your favorite but july 2021 we're doing scream for if sure. we if we live till then uh, so bum, bum, if, bum. I can't remember if we said we're talking about Hostel today, but we're talking about Hostel today. Yeah. Uh, Eli Roth is just like a little piece of diarrhea that came out in Quentin Tarantino's toilet that no God. one fucking asked for. A like, piece of diarrhea with like the thickest eyebrows known to man. Harry diarrhea. Blech. He is okay, so problematic. I'm going to admit something okay. up at the top. I own this movie on DVD, okay? I mean, we all know that, yeah. <laughs> I So I've seen this movie, I want to say, like, somewhere around, like, eight times, but I haven't seen it in, like, probably, like, a decade. I don't know. Like, it's been a long time. 
And, I had never um, seen it. Uh, I remember it coming out around the same time as like The Hills Have Eyes and uh, freaking Wrong Turn. Remember Wrong Turn? Oh we, should talk, we should talk about Elijah that. Dushku. Yeah, like the height of these like body horror movies. And I was yeah. just like too gross for me because I was so young and innocent back then. But now that I'm jaded and old, I was so prepared to watch this movie. And I did it just this morning when I was on the clock. So fuck the man you guys fuck capitalism i uh watched this movie when it first came out at like a young 14 but i was jaded back then too so i was like i'm cool and i like body horror and i like quentin tarantino movies like i just i was um you know we all have our problems that was mine you know thinking that pulp fiction was a good movie i don't know we all have that phase it's okay um and yeah, I mean, like Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino love to infantilize and or sexualize women to like this level that is just hard to watch and inappropriate. But yeah. uh, he's a garbage person. But I have to admit at the top, I still kind of think he's hot. And I like I, that he's oof. like that he's a Beantown boy. What can I say? I like it and I hate it. I don't even like saying the character's name from... Inglorious Bastards, but you liked him as that too. Oh, he was all like muscly. Yeah, I mean, his I like character's name was the Bear Donnie the Bear Jew, like Donowitz or something. I don't yeah, like it. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's not great. Uh, I didn't really enjoy that movie overall, except for Shoshana, who I thought was pretty cool. Shoshana. Okay, I've seen all the Quentin Tarantino movies. I really, I'm ashamed, but. It's the truth. We, I mean, we didn't really know any better yet. Like, we probably should have from the content we were consuming, but... From a white man writing a script with the N-word hundreds and hundreds of times. We all should have known. It's the truth. But, it's but I not, love Jamie Foxx. And it's not Christoph Waltz's fault either. <laughs> I don't I don't blame him. Jamie uh, Foxx is so underrated. I'm sorry. I was going to go on a rant about Jamie Foxx. He's Fox, really hot. I, he also is a really good rapper. Uh, he's, he's a really good a, singer. He's a good great actor. actor. He had one of the greatest sitcoms of the 90s that like w- is, does not get enough credit. He has that cute game show with his daughter where people try yeah. to like stump Spotify or whatever. Adorbs. I love Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, friend of the pod. <laughs> God, he's the best. You know who I don't love? Who? Quentin Tarantino. Or no. Eli Roth. I mean, just the absolute, like, circle jerk of putting Pulp Fiction on the hostile TV in, like, Slovakia. And I was like, dude. Please don't. Please don't do that. Yeah. Who asked for this? <laughs> I didn't. Oh, goodness. Well, I have okay. the grave misfortune of reading the plot today. <laughs> so let's get started. Sorry. Uh, so we hear wind whistling in an in industrial space with water running and dripping. Uh, and then we see blood and bone being r- washed down a drain. And we see a sort of like rusty electric chair. Uh, the whistling is very Tarantino-esque. Very uh, mm. Kill Bill. It's not original. No one thinks you're good at movies, Eli Roth. Okay. <laughs> Some people do. Truly. I would say Cabin Fever is better than this, frankly. Uh... Yeah, I haven't I haven't revisited Cabin Fever in a while. You know who I love? 
Rider Strong because I loved Boy Meets World. Yeah, agreed. Uh, actually, it's gross. Don't watch it again. Um, I, as everyone knows, the shaving scene in Cabin Fever is the most disturbing like body horror element I can think of off the top of my head right now, and it still it still slaps. It's still nasty as fuck. It still slaps. I yeah. so that movie came out in two thousand three when I was twelve. Eleven. Did you or just 12. start shaving? Uh, and I just started shaving because I'm. Latina and very hairy. Uh, and nobody told me it's okay to be okay with body hair. Seventeen magazine was like, shave the fuck out of yourself. And I was like, okay. But my mom was also like very supportive of my love of horror movies. So I was like allowed to watch most of them. And I definitely saw that. And I didn't understand that in the scene, he's fingering her and he come, his hand comes out bloody. Like I, like I didn't understand. I thought he was like rubbing her leg. And I remember saying that to all of my friends and they were like giggling at me because I didn't know what it meant. It, so, it does suck to be, the, <laughs> it does suck to be the last one of your friends to learn what a blowjob is. I'll just say that. Like, yeah, but some, yeah. some one of us has to be that friend and it happened to be me in this case. So. Right. Yeah. So that's also, what an 11 year old. <laughs> now that I'm thinking of it, the fact that he fingers her and it comes out bloody is so misogynistic. Like, yeah, the equating of like menstrual blood with a flesh eating bacteria. No, Eli Roth. Why yeah, do you hate not, women? Not good. Yeah. Why? <laughs> All right. So at a hostel in Amsterdam, we have some very toxic bros uh, leaving. We have. Paxton, who is uh, played by Jay Rodriguez, uh, Jay Fernandez, no. Jay Hernandez, Hernandez. Okay, so microaggression <laughs> happened there. Whoops. <laughs> the good news is I'm not as racist as Eli Roth, but that was pretty sloppy, and I apologize on behalf of only myself because I can only be responsible for my own shitty behavior. I just I love Jay Hernandez because um, crazy in love. In my defense, I have not seen Crazy in Love. Actually, I'm realizing saying in my defense is also racist in the moment. Uh Uh-oh. Let's move on. Okay, I'm really sorry, you guys. (laughs) Shit! Uh, I would say cut it out in post, but I have to live with my mistake. It's okay. So, we have Paxton, uh, who is Latinx from California and fluent in German. Uh, we have Josh, who is gay but can't admit it and wears very big cargo pants. And then we have Oli, who is the goofy uh, Icelandic tourist they picked up along the way. What a ga- gaggle of fellas. Uh, so they're very focused on getting high and railing girls. So they head to a hookah bar. Uh, and they're getting like really fucked up. And then Eli Roth is there in a Red Sox shirt, uh, proving that Boston is a city that is very <laughs> proud of its toxic masculinity and racism. Mm. We are the eighth most racist city in America. So <laughs> enjoy that little tidbit. Good so times. good times. We uh, are now in a club and there's a fight that's pretty homophobic about nothing. Uh, I don't really know. What the fight was about. Yeah, he pulls out a fanny pack to buy these girls a drink and then uh, and then brushing past a woman, he like her partner slash one of her friends gets mad and he starts throwing F-bombs at him and then they get kicked out of the club. And uh, just to confirm, when we say F-bomb in the context of this movie, it's not the F-U-C-K word. It's It's not fuck. I'll say fuck fuck all day long. Fucking fuck. But I will never. It's the other one that rhymes with maggot that we will not say. Yeah. 
In fact, Eli Roth is a maggot for using it so liberally. Goodness me. So, uh, where are we at? So, uh, also, fanny packs came back. I just want to point that out. Like, right? Josh was on top of it. They're back, yeah. Also, like, they're practical. Leave them the fuck alone. Like, yeah. don't, you don't, he's, I don't know. Just trying to hang on to his passport. Because it chased his thighs. Like, what's in your passport that's, like, why is it so heavy? Yeah, I would say, also, what, are you wearing it? Where are you wearing it? Like your outer thigh, your inner thigh? Like, what is the source of the chafing? Right. You like, I mean, is I've it had part a lot of a colostomy of... bag. Like, yeah, what is exactly. <laughs> I've had a lot of chafed thighs in my day because of my, you know, thunder thighs. But I've um, never had anything in my pocket be a difficulty. Just you know, the skin against the it's other the skin. The skin against the other, or the jeans against the skin. It's not like I don't. Mm. Eli Roth doesn't understand what chafe, chafing. Yeah, get get your head straight about thigh chafe, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so they're walking through the streets and objectifying sex workers, calling one of them who's probably 140 pounds a hog and saying, mm-hmm. "Hope bestiality is legal in Amsterdam because she's so disgusting." Uh, Oli and Paxton have sex uh, with two sex workers while fist bumping but josh is nervous and runs out when uh he encounters one of the women they get back to the hostel after curfew uh so they end up locked out and then they create some kind of a scene on the street because you can't just be like let's go find somewhere else to stay they have to like yell and be outrageous a neighboring fellow lets them up into his apartment his name is alexi and he says uh They can stay with him. Not everyone hates Americans and asks where they've traveled. They tell him, saying basically they're looking for girls and not taking in any of the, like, cultural, historical value of any of these cities. They're just trying to find pussy. Alex Yeah, Josh makes the suggestion. They go to a museum and they're like, nah, that's stupid. Like, Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Just drinking and having, you can do that in America. Like, what? You can smoke yeah. weed and have sex and drink in America. There are sex workers here. That's true. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Alex says he can, quote, open up the pussy all over Europe and shows them photos of naked women on his digital camera. He says they have to go east. There's a hostel in Slovakia outside of Bratislava, uh, and that's where all the hottest girls are. He says the hostel won't be in any guidebook, but the girls go crazy for any foreigner, and you can just quote take them end quote entitlement and misogyny rampant yeah which would be one thing if it was ever there was ever sort of a reckoning where they have to face these decisions or the way they're talking about women but not really we'll get into it so on the train a dutch businessman sits down with them in their compartment and says they'll like slovakia because you can pay to do anything foreshadowing he starts bum, bum, eating bum. a salad with his hands and then touches Josh's thigh. Uh, and then they're like grossed out and Josh reacts really rudely and strongly and the businessman leaves. Although later when Josh apologizes, I say, you don't have to apologize. Someone sexually harassed you and you reacted appropriately. Yeah, like, but that it also feels like men aren't allowed to have like men being sexually assaulted is already underreported 
um, and under investigated. And this just feels like, oh, you don't you should be apologizing to someone who's sexually harassing you because you made them feel uncomfortable. It doesn't doesn't track, homie. This is how the patriarchy harms all of us, everyone. Truly. There I don't like listen to Joe Rogan or anything um, for obvious reasons. But I was watching TikTok and there was this thing where he said, like, someone told him a statistic that men got raped more than women. He's like, yeah, they get raped by other men. Like, duh. Like, men are doing the raping. Yeah, it's not like women. women. Yeah, women are not, like, the problem in this equation. Although women (laughs) can perpetrate sexual assault, obviously. But the, the patriarchy really like represses and damages men to the point that they have like very few outlets for emotions Mm -hmm. but yeah men are the problem (laughs) i don't know do you feel like i feel like on tiktok and stuff people talk so much about how they hate men and i feel like yeah there's a lot of men in my life that have behaved really poorly towards me but I don't know if it's, like, worth the energy to hate them as much as hating, like, the systemic inequity that created them. It's sort of like know. when, like, you know, corporate environmentalism tells you you should recycle one bottle because you're going to be, like, saving the world individually, you know? Like, it's a systemic right. problem. It's also, I think that's, like, a sort of all-men argument is, like, there are certain individuals who have chosen not to act, like, complete piles of garbage and so like it just feels like when one of them goes out of their way I'm like yes I know that this is that you're just being a product of the patriarchy but like you're an asshole and I hate you agree I love to hate yeah yeah I am also a hater by nature yeah Mm -hmm. um so I understand that but I don't know I'm just I like to think big baby I like to think about systems at the big level because I'm an innovator and I'm not sitting in my pajamas at 6 p.m. So, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you got big plans. All right. So they get off the train and it seems pretty desolate. But when they reach the town, the hostel seems like pretty nice and fancy. Uh, they leave their passports at the desk with a woman named Vala. And then they have some sexy lady roommates who tell them to join them at the spa. Uh, the spa does look nice. There's boobs everywhere. Um, they meet Natalia and Svetlana, uh, who are ladies with no identifying features, except that they are Eastern European. Um, so then they head to the club where Josh smooches Natalia, but then he doesn't like her cigarette because she's smoking. So he leaves to get some fresh air. Okay, this is a pretty troubling through line in this movie. A gang of quote-unquote gypsy children, and gypsy is a derogatory racial slur, so we don't say it, but just because we need to know the the colloquial term. It's a gang of essentially brown children that hustle people around the town for cigarettes and candy. Are presumably like Romani. Yes. Right. It's upsetting. Who, yeah, who terrorized the town in search of bubble gum. So the gang of Romani children hustle him for a cigarette, uh, but he doesn't have one. And the Dutch businessman steps in to save them, save him from the train. 
He buys the businessman a drink and apologizes for his reaction on the train, and he touches Mr. Business's knee lightly. Uh, Mr. Business says they basically are talking about Josh's burgeoning. Mr. Business. I love it. They're talking about Josh's burgeoning sexual identity uh, and Mr. Business says that choosing to have a family was the right thing for him but Josh should do whatever he thinks is right and then Josh notices a tattoo on his arm which I didn't pick up what the image was a basset hound a basset hound got it it's the like the elite hunting uh icon moniker it's like the death eaters yeah got it got it yeah Mm -hmm. not a snake but a dog Back at the hostel, they're getting sexy. Uh, this is where the sexy song from the Wicker Man plays, which is like, oh. you know, the song when um, the landlord's daughter is like doing the really bizarre dancing. It's like a techno remix of it. Mm. Uh, Natalia and Svetlana make meaningful eye contact while they ride Paxton and Josh in a very unsexy scene that I did not enjoy. Um, I don't know about you. People were naked and they were having sex, but it was not sexy. Listen, there were a lot of boobs in this movie. The boobs were fine. But uh, no, there wasn't anything really that titillating. You think that he, like, lined up all of the women. I'm sure he did, because he's a fucking you, creep. You, you, you. Yeah, right. he was like, okay, only women with nude colored nipples. No browns, no two pinks. You know what I mean? Like, Their no nipples, browns. Not a brown nipple in sight. Their nipples nowhere. blend into their boobs. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I was like, is this, is this I the actually color didn't, other people's nipples? No, I didn't I know understand. nipples looked like that, because obviously mine are brown. You know. Brown nips, brown vag, just my, (laughs) my thing. Mm -hmm. So where are we at here? They're having sex. I'm I'm taking a breath. Uh, The next morning, (laughs) Oli is missing, uh, and there's a different person besides Vala at the front desk, and they say that Oli checked out. Uh, One of the Japanese women that they objectified and were pretty obnoxious to earlier, Kana, uh, says that she got a text with a picture of Oli and her friend Yuki, both of whom are now missing. And they don't show as much concern as I would right off the bat. They just kind of seem like, oh, that's weird. So I guess because they met him while he while backpacking and he doesn't have like a set schedule or where he's going he's just so there just yeah, like, he's their icelandic jester he's not american yeah. so they don't really he's need a to funny care. man yeah so josh and paxton are walking and spot Oli entering the museum of torture i have been to several museums of torture in italy highly recommend this one seemed um like give me a wall placard or something I want, yeah like, this give me one, some context there are a lot of objects like there's a lot of like you know the anal pair that they shove mm-hmm. up the butthole or the vagina and then expand it. Yeah, a lot of anal pairs. So they follow, but it's someone else wearing Oli's orange jacket. And when they ask him where he got the jacket, he's like, it's mine. Fuck you. Which is probably what I would say if somebody was like, where'd you get that jacket? <laughs> it's my jacket. <laughs> it's thrifted. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah, right. I'm sustainable. So they get a text from Oli with an image of his head that says, I go home. Just to confirm, this clearly looks like a decapitated head, okay? This doesn't look like an alive man. It's like all the way back. Yeah. 
um, and then it cuts to the whistling man standing by Oli's decapitated head and heading over to snip Yuki's toe off. So, okay, I guess that person so paid for double, double your trouble there. Right. <laughs> they um, were extra rich. Extra rich. At the hostel, they make plans to go to the train in the morning with Kana. Um, Josh is kind of dismissive of Natalia and Svetlana, but Paxton says they should just spend time with them and fuck them for one more night before they go to Barcelona. They decide to go out the dick to the disco. Paxton invites Kana, but she declines. At the disco, Josh is clearly drugged. He is drunk has a headache he's sweating and looking pretty fucked up he enters the hostel sees vala at the front desk she walks him to bed and then a second set of footsteps appear set of footsteps appear next to hers at the club josh is also beginning to feel sweaty and dizzy and he heads to the restroom slash storage closet where he gets locked in Apparently, no one else needs to use the restroom for the rest of the night because he takes I a think- little nap on the bathroom floor I think he thought it was a restroom, but it's really a storage, a storage closet. closet. Thank yeah. you for the clarification. Just, I accept you know, your correction. Because he immediately doesn't see a, turn, a toilet, so he turns around. And he's oh. like, oh, wait. And that's when he tries to get out and realizes he's locked in. Well, that storage closet saved his life. It's true. Well, yeah. Sort of. Sort of. So Josh wakes up in a torture chamber with the man from... A man, sorry, that was almost a spoily. Uh, a man in a sur- surgical cap and a smock getting his little tools ready. Uh, he drills some holes into Josh, and when he takes off his mask, it's Mr. Business, you guys. <gasps> Mr. Business. Mr. Business says he always wanted to be a surgeon, but the boards wouldn't pass him. He went into business, and it's boring, so he came here to, like, I don't know, he gave some, like, get inside of people speech or something. I wasn't paying close attention. Josh begs to be let go, and he's puking. There's a lot of puking from here on out. Just vomit everywhere. Um, Mr. Business says, sure, and he slices his Achilles tendons, removes his handcuffs, and says he's free to go. But when Josh stands up, he obviously flops to the floor because his Achilles are sliced. Uh, And then... Mr. Business says he'll pay him to be released, but Mr. Business then clarifies that he's the one paying others. Dun, dun, dun. More not so subtle Mm. foreshadowing. Paxton makes it back to the hostel, but the front desk person says uh, that the people from his room already checked out and gives him back his backpack. Paxton gets upset and says he needs a room. Uh, Kana is gone as well, so when he goes into the new room, it's two different women, but they basically play out the same script that Natalia and Svetlana did, being slightly nude and uh, encouraging Paxton to come to the spa. Okay, Paxton calls Josh uh, and sees Svetlana leave in a taxi. He's walking around looking for the location. Uh, There's like a tower in the picture of Oli and Yuki. But unfortunately, his phone is sniped by the gang of Romani children. Uh, He gets very close to strangling a child to death before deciding to head to the police where they downplay his concerns. He enters a bar that's kind of like a local bar and finds Svetlana and Natalia. He asks if they've seen Josh and they say he's with Oli and laugh at him. 
They say they both went to an art exhibit and he says he wants to go. There's a man with Natalia and I don't know who he is. He's just a man. He's one of the goons, right? Right, yeah. Just some random Slovakian gentleman. Uh, So they go... uh, Sorry. The man that's with them and Natalia go, but Svetlana stays, stays behind because she says she's already seen this exhibit. They reach a factory with a tower that Paxton saw in a photograph. What? A bug just landed in my beer. A bug oh, in your Matt. beer? Oh, I know God. how you just like winged creatures. <sighs> okay, anyway. The nerve. How dare. Arizona's full of bugs, in case anyone was wondering. Don't you have, like, big lizards that come in your house, too? Mm, I mean, I'm in an apartment, so it's mostly just gnats. That's better, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so they reach the factory with the tower that Paxton saw and the photograph. There's some men milling around, uh, and one of them tells Paxton to be careful. He could spend a lot of his money in there ominous they enter and natalia points him towards a door laughing paxton walks down a hallway and sees the dutch businessman operating on josh whose chest cavity is completely open uh paxton predictably calls natalia a bitch but she says she got a lot of money for him and that makes him the bitch agreed two men take him further into the building where he passes various people in various stages of torture uh, he's handcuffed to a chair, and the men determine that he's American, so they know how much to charge. The creepy surgeon man snips at him with some surgical scissors, but doesn't touch him. Turns out he's a German client, so he starts whacking him with, like, a cattle prod and then speaks German. Paxton responds in German, and the surgeon seems to kind of, like, soften. He slaps him, leaves, calls a big goon back who puts a ball gag in Gaxton's mouth. Gaxton? Gagston? Paxton. Gaxton. He's now Gaxton. To be referred on. Here's so, before Gagston. So the surgeon holds a gun to his head but decides against it, grabs a chainsaw and starts waving it around. Uh, Gagston gags out his ball gag and pukes <laughs> more. And then the surgeon saws a few fingers off and gets ready to get going with the chainsaw but slips on finger blood. Predictably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep your eyes on where the fingers are. And then he accidentally saws himself, giving Paxton the time to get away. Uh, Paxton is able to get to the gun and shoots the client in the head. The goon is watching porn outside. Paxton calls to him in German, uh, purporting to be the client, and then shoots him when he gets in. He dresses up in some clothes. Wait, I guess the client's clothes, right? He, like, goes to that locker room. Oh, but he's already dressed. No, he goes to the locker room later. I don't know. He puts, like, a freaking wrought iron helmet on or something. Oh, And then he uh, heads out. He's on the move. He hides in a room where he discovers a bunch of bodies on a cart. He hears someone coming and joins the body cart to sneak out. He ends up in a freight elevator that heads down to a basement where another goon is chopping bodies up. Paxton sees Josh's corpse and um, gets very upset. This is hilarious. (laughs) This is hilarious. So Paxton, for some reason, held on to his fingers. He's thinking he's going to, like, get out of here and get his fingers reattached. But then he drops them off the cart and he's, like, trying to grab for them. But the big goon (laughs) takes them. (laughs) And I was like, thanks. I don't I don't know if I needed that. 
Uh, so I then, mean, at that point, just like let the fingers know, go. Let yeah. the fingers go. You're like, not getting your, your fingers, fingers back. Yeah, you don't have any ice. You know, you got to get some milk. No I don't chance. Know. Yeah, you'll never get. I think milk is only for teeth. Oh, I don't know. You have no <laughs> recourse for no reattaching finger your recourse. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the goon is chopping up body parts and then sticking them in this big furnace. Uh, it seems like he has the worst job in the operation. I feel pretty bad for him. And then uh, Paxton manages to knock the goon out and run back to the elevator. This is when he ends up in the changing room with weird uniforms and he peeks out the window and sees the cop he talked to earlier chatting with people from the factory. So he knows the cops are dirty. But guess what, Paxton? The cops are dirty everywhere. Bum, bum, bum. Uh... <laughs> I want to just apologize because I did use the word goon like a little too liberally in my notes here. The next line is another goon finds the murdered doctor and goon. So (laughs) goon finds goon. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a children's book. I like, what am I doing? So the, the goon that found the goon knows, you know, something is amiss. So he gets his little like walkie talkie or whatever. Uh, back in the changing room, another American comes in and um, Paxton has changed into like somebody's business suit and is like mistaken for another client. And uh, the American asks him how it was and says it's supposed to be a big rush. He fa- paid $50,000 for something really special. And then he shows the same Basset Hound tattoo, tattoo as Mr. Business and... Uh, Asks if Paxton did it slow or really fast. Paxton says, make it quick. So now we know we're in the people hunting business. The The clues have been laid and now it's all confirmed. I like can't remember because I've seen it several times before. I was like, it seems really obvious that these people are paying to chop people up. But I don't know when it clicks in for everybody else. But, like, this scene just seemed really drawn out. And I was like, can this fucking guy shut the fuck up? Like, it he's did so go annoying. for a while. And I was like, oh, I get it. Uh, for a while, I thought it was um, organ harvesting. Mm. And then it didn't become, like, that clear until this series of scenes. Well, when but you get... This actor is, like, basically acting like Eli Roth. He's, He's essentially Eli Roth. Roth, yeah. Act like me, yeah. Be really aggressive and, like, annoying and loud, spit a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, expressive eyebrows, but that's not Mm -hmm. part of the acting. That's just the man's face. (laughs) Paxton makes it out and finds a car with a key in the ignition, so he's getting ready to leave, but he hears screaming and decides to go back in because he's a good guy now. Uh, he finds the nasty American blowtorching Hannah's face and her eyeball is hanging by a string. Uh, he makes a decision I don't know if I would have made and uh, snips her eyeball off. Well, he kills the he kills the American. He kills first. the American. But then, um, sorry, I was just caught up in the eyeball of it all. When I, was I was like, yeah, what, what do you 
so why like why do you make this executive decision just go yeah yeah like just leave i don't know if it's super helpful like it's not gonna make her more or less mobile i think that just get out yeah Yeah. uh so after the eyeball snip they uh are trying to get out uh the goons have realized there's an infiltration so everybody's scrambling they make it to the car with the key in the ignition and peel out heading for the train station but their way is blocked when the truck moves. Paxton sees Svetlana, Natalia, and Alexei from Amsterdam, and he runs them over, which, fine, whatever. Um, Paxton encounters the Romani children, so we have a little moment of levity at the expense of brown children. Great. Uh, he gives them candy in exchange for passage, but since the goons don't have candy, the children beat them up. It's hilarious. They smoosh their heads in with big rocks. Yeah, it's really aggressive. Uh, They reach a police barricade and decide to abandon the car since police are swarming the train station as well. They're hiding and, like, sneaking around. Kana spots her reflection in a window and is upset. She decides to jump in front of a train. We'll unpack that later. Mm -hmm. On the train, Paxton hears the Dutch businessman's voice. Uh, and follows him into a restroom at the stop where he gets off. He slides the elite hunting business card onto the stall floor where the Dutchman is pooping. Uh, when he bends down to pick it up, Paxton grabs Mr. Business's hand and cuts some fingers off. He then busts into the stall, semi-drowns him in the toilet, and slits his throat, leaving the business card on the bloody floor. Paxton is then back on the train, and the credits roll. Finn. The end. The end. I just want to point out if you hadn't obviously murdered Mr. Business, you could go to the embassy and like get this shut down. But now you're a murderer fugitive, so it doesn't really feel like you can go to the authorities, right? It'll never be connected to him. He's not freely bleeding from one of his hands or anything. No, in someone else's clothing. And normally I'm not a proponent of going to the authorities, but I think when it's like a massive murder, you know, people hunting conspiracy, you can maybe like go to the embassy and just like pass the, you know, the burden of that onto somebody else who's paid to deal with it. Uh, I do like that he murdered the guy, though, you know, I like he I didn't like it because then I feel like. First of all, he's able to, like, justify this American exceptionalism and arrogance by uh, becoming this, like, vigilante justice. And then also he doesn't ever have to face his own, like, shortcomings or misogyny or homophobia. And he's just allowed to sort of, like, become whole and be an acceptable person because he, like, sought out justice, you know? I don't I don't agree with it. I mean, I think that, like... He was taking his own emotions into his hands, right? And I, I don't know. I think there's a lot to say about most of the male characters. But at least Paxton is willing to be emotional and be, like, and have emotions. He's, like, a really shitty person for the first half of the movie. But then at the second half, he, like, cares and is emotional and is afraid and, like, he's just being, he he's sad for his friend, and he's upset, and so he wants to take that into his own hands. Which, yeah, I don't agree with the individualism of it, or the nation, nationalism of it, but, like, I like a brown man killing a white man. That's true. I would have preferred, 
I think that making Paxton Brown is Eli Roth like gaslighting us. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, he but, so in the articles that I was reading. Sorry, I cut you off. It doesn't um, matter. I have nothing of value to say. Pretty much ever. <laughs> Uh, he was saying that he cast Jay Hernandez um, as in this character because he's in quote every he looks like an everyman and I'm like um no he doesn't he doesn't he is very brown he like, I would argue that he, his hair looks like an everyman in 2005 oh god the gel <laughs> the gel um, he was in this really popular movie like indie movie with Kirsten Dunst like he's very visibly brown mm-hmm. and he's from California like he's not an everyman plus he's like really hot so okay like, I actually have to take it back I have seen crazy beautiful crazy beautiful I should I watch it called again. crazy in love earlier that's but that's what not you, it yeah <laughs> I think of the I realized like, where the breakdown happened yeah um so, yeah, it was, like, a really popular movie in the early 2000s. Like, I don't... And so, like, I don't... He's not an everyman. Like, Jay Hernandez... The other guy, the actor who plays Josh, is an everyman. Like, he looks like every other white guy waltzing down the street. But I think, like, him casting an American who's, like, who's not a colonist American who's probably the product of immigration and refugees in America is intentional. Totally. And the fact that he makes him so specifically a German speaker, he's like going to law school. He's from California. Like he has all these markers of affluence and exceptionalism that he has to have because he's a man of color. Right. Yeah. They're just where, you know, otherwise um, we're all drug dealers and murderers. You know, gang members. What gang are you in, Rebecca? Just kidding. I already know. The Bandana Crew. TM. Bandana Crew. That's our gang. Our two-person gang. You guys right are now really... I'm part of the gang of the... Of the vac- I'm, I'm half vaccinated, guys. Oh, girl. And my arm hurts. That's part of the gang I'm in. This podcast is three quarters vaccinated now. Wow. Look at us. Um, also, I want to say, I don't know if anyone's actively listening to this live and it probably doesn't matter later, but um, it's free. And if you go on CVS at four o'clock in the morning like I did, it's pretty easy to get in. So go do it, everybody. And if you're fat. I got it because I'm fat. <laughs> I got it because I'm over 16. I know. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, so I think we should get started officially. <laughs> Uh, on the easy one in this movie, which is homophobia. Oh, Fun. God. That is actually the easiest thing to deal with in this movie, of all the things. Uh, so I was watching it on the, like, regular TV where our PlayStation is on DVD. And Caesar was not watching it with me because I have to pause it so much and it annoys him. And he was like, what are you watching? And I told him, and he's like, I didn't. I didn't think it was going to be that homophobic because he's never seen it before. And he's like, what year was this made? And I was like, 2005. He was like, that seems weird. And he just lives in like a... It happens today, but maybe not as blatant. As I don't think here. it would be in a like mainstream movie today in yeah. a non-ironic way or like in a not like very like specialized way that was trying to make like a more you know, a larger point, but uh, it's just liberally used for essentially no reason in this movie. And people used to say, like, 
I don't know. I don't like saying it, but like that's gay. Yeah. All the time. All the time. They said it all the time when I was in high school. Everyone did. I'm sure I unfortunately said it a, a time or two. It was just like a thing that people said and it's unfortunate and it's bad. And it wasn't that long ago. No. Um, so let's talk about Josh. So poor Josh. So Josh is a baby. He has a desire to explore his sexuality, um, but I don't think he feels very comfortable in the ecosystem he lives in, which is his friendship with Paxton and this new person, Oli, who are just all about um, being predatory towards women, like, all the time. So, um... Uh-huh. He is, like, super reactionary to the advance of Mr. Business on the train because he has an interest but doesn't know where to, like, put those emotions. And then the poetic injustice of the fact that the person who gives him insight into his sexuality is the person that murders him brutally uh, is a total criminalization of, like, talking about your queerness or admitting it or having, like, spaces to discuss it that aren't like demonized right i also don't appreciate that like um a possibly gay man has to apologize to his oppressor um just because he's like maybe also gay like i it's just it's don't you don't have to apologize to your oppressor and you're like other men aren't allowed to sexualize and sexually harass gay men just because they're gay like that's yeah, it's not like no. you're in like some sort a of club. subset of a club yeah. where you can do those things and it's excusable. Like sexual no. harassment, sexual abuse, unwanted sexual advances are always inexcusable and consent is always important. And this movie struggles with consent a little bit, I would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ollie brings over a girl who's like clearly on drugs and – Paxton's like, well, you can't even, you can't rail a girl who's not even in this country. It's just like, I also, I mean, I have more to say about Paxton, I guess, but like, we very rarely get to see, I mean, Jay Hernandez is a Mexican American, and we rarely get to see a Latino on screen, especially in a final girl role. And mm-hmm. we, ha- he has to be over sexualized and predatory. That's upsetting. And it's I really like problematic. That. Yeah, I think the way that all three of these men are written is hugely problematic. Josh is sensitive, silly, goofy. Uh, he's, like, regarded as effeminate by his friends mm-hmm. because he has a fanny pack. And yeah. he has, like, these markers of kind of, like, queerness that his friends reject because they are upholding this, like, standard of patriarchal values. Uh, Oli is nothing. He has no personality outside of being, like, super horny and being Icelandic. Yeah. 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 And, like, he's basically the only non-American in the trio, so he's expendable. He's a jester. He dies first Mm -hmm. um, without, like, very much valuable screen time. And if he is on screen, he's thinking solely about sex or women uh, and has no identity. And then Paxton. Oh, Paxton. Yeah. I think that normally in like a normal horror movie setup, Josh would be our final girl because he's like empathetic and he's not as willing to partake in these like misogynistic patriarchal um, actions as everyone else. But because he's effeminate and is possibly a closeted gay man, he it dies. 
And so yeah, it's like a su- it's a subversion of the genre that's completely in support and pursuit of like propping up homophobia. So it's homophobia. not really a subversion because it's like completely regressive and stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> All right. What do you want to talk about next? I don't. I mean, let's just sneak all in the instances of what. That's just, I don't want to go on this too long because it's not like the crux of the movie, but any fat phobia is bad fat phobia. That's fucking stupid. Like, it's disgusting and it's problematic. And like, men are allowed to be attracted to fat women. It's not like a body is a body and it's acceptable uh, for you to. I would also like fat women are just allowed to exist. Like, we can be here. Women yeah. don't exist. Like, I don't, I just. And, other... like, don't forget, sex workers don't exist for you. Like, sex workers yeah. exist for themselves and for their own agency and their own, like, socioeconomic, like, support systems. Like, they don't exist because you have to be attracted to them. Like, that's bullshit. Right. But I digress. So I think we should get started on some American exceptionalism and individualism. Sure. It's pretty bad. I'd like to acknowledge a very helpful source, which I will tell you when I find it. (laughs) (laughs) So Jason Middleton does write a really helpful article called The Subject of Torture Regarding the Pain of Americans in Hostel. Uh, So did you just giggle? Pardon me. I burped. Oh, it was a burp, you guys. False alarm. I, I moved away from the mic. You're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> you are a hero for women. So the uh, crux of the argument is basically that um, American exceptionalism positions human rights abuses as atrocities that are perpetrated by the cultural other uh, and things that Western white cultural is sort of like too developed or sophisticated to engage with. Uh, and the argument stems from the fact that this was made during the war on terror in 2005 when torture wasn't really like in the vernacular of Americans yet because um, the early era, Obama era um, policies of sort of like holding some of the things at Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib that happened to accountability were so like far out of our consciousness. And we didn't really know the extent to which uh, George Bush and his administration were just like torturing and killing brown people abroad out of the visibility of the American public. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, essentially Paxton survives and he's redeemed through this decision to save Kana. But at the end of the movie, Paxton ends up distanced from this cultural arrogance and misogyny and this abuse of, you know, whiteness or proximity to whiteness that led them to the hostel in the first place. Uh, And I thought this quote was very helpful from Jason Middleton. Um, The film's ultimate legitimizing of the surviving character's final act of vengeful brutality resonates with neoconservative perspectives on the justness and necessity of American aggression within a dangerous world. So the ends always justify the means as long as there's this sort of like false ethos of like ethical rightness behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that Americans have this like sort of innocence um, and are treating Eastern Europe as their own playground and they are brutalized and terrorized by foreigners and are therefore allowed to do whatever they want, which they feel justified in and entitled to anyway. And so we are rooting yes. for that at the end. 
upsetting. Upsetting. And um, Eli Roth has nothing intelligent to say about this movie. His defense, mm. <laughs> his defense of the criticism that this is American cultural arrogance and is like xenophobic is Americans do not even know that this country exists. My film is not a geographical work, but aims to show Americans ignorance of the world around them, which it does not accomplish. And he, get this, argues that people still go to Texas even after the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, which just no, like. No. No. It's also (laughs) like. He's more concerned with creating an atmosphere than being truthful or fair to an entire subset of people. Like, it's an entire country, an entire ethnic group. He's treating Romani people who have been murdered, have been part of genocides, who are, as if they're, like, cute little, fun little kids. Like, that's, it's upsetting. I also think that there are capitalist underpinnings to this because uh, Eastern Europe obviously um experienced like communist or like pseudo-communist regimes that were really at the expense or like for to serve their leaders uh but it's like this portrayal is desolate where you have to like literally sell people to make ends meet because of the failings of like the governmental structures around you yeah exactly is extremely offensive and extremely like western centric uh, and has this like disgusting America American individualist like capitalist value system that's fucked up. Um, I'm really, really, really tired of people using um, pseudo communism to defend capitalism, and that the examples that we see of com quote com- communism is not communism. It's tyranny and dictatorships masquerading as communism, and yes. that like community socialism communism could work. But this is that was not an example of it. No, (laughs) I I like it, especially when right wing people post pictures of the failings of capitalism as things that would happen if um, communism or socialism was in effect. Like the cognitive dissonance is real, you guys. (laughs) It's real. Um, I just like. Is it working for you? Is capitalism working for you? It's not working for me. Name one good thing it's done for you. you. Yeah, (laughs) I just. So I would argue that this movie, a.k.a. Hostel, does degrade the torture of brown skin people at the hands of the Bush administration uh, because basically it centers affluent white men in this like torture porn narrative. So it's like, oh, it's it's like these atrocities are happening to Americans in other places. They're not things that like Americans perpetrate. And mm-hmm. it is true that often um, – Human rights violations perpetrated by the United States are less visible because Mm -hmm. there's systemic racism built into the fabric of how our systems work. So when our systems are working, they are perpetrating human rights violations, right? But it doesn't feel as visible or as sinister as what is happening in Hostel. So it devalues and degrades the experiences of people that have suffered violence at the hands of of white men uh, in America by centering the experience of American white men in this movie. That, of course, gets complicated because Patton is Latinx, uh, and I think that is an intentional decision by Eli Roth to sort of, like, Mm -hmm. strip this narrative away and give, like, an excuse to say, like, no, this film doesn't do that, when, in fact, like, Patton, Paxton is set up as having close proximity to whiteness. Right. He speaks German. He doesn't speak Spanish at all in this movie, even though he's a Mexican-American actor. Like, he's 
he, I don't know, he doesn't have an accent. It's this whole, like, he's basically a white guy. He's written by a white guy to act like a white guy. Um, he was just played by a Mexican-American actor. So that Eli Roth can absolve himself of the right. racism that he depicts in this movie. Should we talk about Kana? Speaking of racism, <gasps> <Poor> Kana. I'm <laughs> like, oh God, I can't. She had a very unfair and offensive treatment in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, like in general, there's just like a few instances. Like they're walking. They are the only Asian people in this movie. Her and her friend. And they are immediately sexualized by the men that walk by them. And then she doesn't even say her friend's name, really. She's just like, your friend, my friend. I had to go right. to IMDb to find their names. And I, and then she's um, also, it's like further othered because she barely says anything at all. She's just watching TV and clipping her toenails in a very strange place. Yeah. Um, okay, get feet like, out of my movies, Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino. Gross. Who are you? Quentin Tarantino? Gross. Um, and then she speaks with a very thick accent. She has to be saved by this ma- like male protagonist, our male protagonist, who I don't, I barely want to call him a protagonist. But like, she has to be saved by him. And then, in the worst The ultimate worst indignity. Way, she would rather die than be slightly less attractive. And this is, like, not just surface level. Like, there are generations of marginalization of Asian women for not fitting yeah. into Western beauty standards. And right. it isn't, like, harmless. It's actually extremely damaging that Eli Roth chose to depict a Japanese woman this way. Mm-hmm. And... Like, she's demonized for this vanity, othered because of her suicide, and ultimately she is a forgettable character who had a shallow experience because Mm -hmm. she decides to kill herself because of her perceived ugliness because she isn't adhering to a Western beauty standard. Right. It's also, like, when when they think that Ollie ran away with Kana's friend, Paxton says... He doesn't even like he doesn't Asian even women. like Asian women. I what mean, what the fuck? Asian women don't like you, Oli, you motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you. They're not a fetish. They are human beings. Human people. I don't, God, like, come the fuck on. Blech. Like God. white men that fetishize Asian women, but like refuse to engage with cultural like aspects of their personhood, like their food cultures or holiday cultures. Like you are the scum, the absolute scum. You're garbage. And who like, I just like, God, every subset that is not a cishet white man is being uh, terrorized and objectified. And the levels of violence against women even though we it's don't upsetting. see on-screen violence against women except for Kana, right? Right. Well, oh, and, and Yuki's we see violence toe. of... And what? And, and the Yuki's toe. toe. And at the end, when um, when the two, the two baddies, when they're run over by the car, then we see them die. Yes, that's true. But I think 
Eli Roth is really specific in making the baddies like women that are very like highly sexualized. Uh, and that's nasty, Eli Roth. You're nasty. You're nasty. Should we, do you want to hear some like cute little tidbits about what a horrible person Eli Roth is? Lay it on me. I'm ready. Um, so he made him in 2017. He made Death Wish, which uh, stars Bruce Willis, about a white man who goes around, quote, saving the day, killing brown and black people um, in a hood yeah, with a gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch um, it. No, nobody watched it. Um, and Ira, Eli Roth defended the movie, arguing that it's, quote, not about race. And those accus- accusations were not the intent of his movie. Hey, um, white Every men. movie's about race. I'm going to throw it men. out there right now. If you white say men. something is not about race, the fact that you have to say that means it's about race, just to confirm. Just because you don't have to live every day facing your race or your ethnicity or your colorism doesn't, like, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And you're perpetuating these racist ideals. Yeah, look inward. Stop, like, looking into, like, the literal butthole of Quentin Tarantino and try to, like, be fucking introspective about the world around you. Um, of movie horror movies post-1980, he said, by the end of the decade, horror had literally become a joke. The term I often use to describe the effect is gore porno, where the true impact of horror is drained away and the motive of these movies becomes just a way of fast-forwarding from one death to the next. That's literally the movie that he made here. misses the irony of that is his movie. Those are his movies. Literally the movie we're talking about right now. As pointed out by Jared Rodell Holyfield, the same can be said of most of his films, if not all of them. And he told the BBC that he that with Hostel, he set out to sell a darkly cynic film that doesn't trust the government. But like, what? Uh, what? what? Seems really alt right. It's really it's like it very is really it's alt right. Like pulling out the alt right notebook, you know, just I. Whew, while filming Thanksgiving, he admitted... I didn't watch it. Did you watch Thanksgiving? No, I didn't watch it. Uh, thank God. Uh, he admitted to exploiting his actress, Vendula Bendrova, uh, where she had to jump on a trampoline without a shirt on. Oh, um, I remember this. Filmed it she jumps on the trampoline and, and, and then she again. gets impaled by an, somebody under the trampoline shoves a under knife the under trampoline. her vagina. Oh my God! He so filmed it over, he filmed and, over, it over again? and over, not because he said she's a pro and she got it on the first take, but he filmed it over and over and over again because he was mystified by her bouncing breasts. Um, and that if you're gonna make an exploitation film, you might as well exploit someone. Garbage. That, I don't even know what to say. True garbage. He's also. Um, Lots of sexual assault claims, lots of creepy stories of him being creep at parties, uh, lots of women who were coerced into sex with him. It's upsetting. It's truly upsetting. He's a garbage person. I mean, if you watch this movie, you're like... Any movie Yeah, no, this is made by a sexual assaulter, right? Like, Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not subtle. He's clearly assaulted someone, yeah. I will say that... uh, This is bad. Jay Hernandez has never done anything wrong in his life. Just kidding. I don't know. I didn't look that far into it because I don't want to know. But he is playing Magnum P.I. now, so he's doing pretty well for him. I think the best thing you can do is get a good TV gig, right? And just ride that out forever. Baby boy, you do you. Yeah, he's just as handsome as ever. So uh, 
Eli Roth is in a group of independent filmmakers that are like ultra violent called the Splat Pack, uh, and some what? other some other duds we've talked about are in there, <laughs> <laughs> such as our very own Neil Marshall, who also loves to torture women on screen for uh, right. for effect. We've got uh, old Juan and Juanel, who also are transphobic and hate women. We've got Robert yeah. Rodriguez and Rob Zombie, like who Robert I'm sorry, Rodriguez. I'll never I'll never say anything bad about Rob Zombie. I like Robert Rodriguez, okay? I haven't looked that far into it, but I really like Planet Terror a lot. I did like Planet Terror. Oh, and then he, uh, Alexander Aja, who did the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, which I did actually like. But yeah, no, you won't catch me saying a bad word about Rob Zombie on this podcast. I know he is will. a he king. Will. He's faithful to his wife. He lets I her will work say, and do her own can shit. You cast, can you cast a BIPOC somewhere, anywhere? Give a BIPOC some money. You hey, know what Sid I mean? Haig is an Armenian. He's Right. He's a BIPOC. Uh-huh. But Maybe that is kind of a stretch. Maybe more than just one white presenting <laughs> person. Of color. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Like light skinned BIPOC. Yeah. You know, just like throw them in there. Get uh, the spice going. Yes, I know. But I can't lie. Something about Sherry Moon and Rob Zombie's relationship just mystifies me. And really gets your gets you going. Really I just like I really stand them forever. <laughs> I do. I like Sherry Moon Zombie. I just want to hang out with animals. Yeah, you know I mean? think you and Sherry Moon would get along really well. We would I, I would become a vegetarian for Sherry Moon Zombie. Not for me? No. I'm not asking. <laughs> uh, I'm not asking anyone I will to. say. You do what you want. You do what feels right for you. I will but. say Sherry Moon's white girl dreads in Lords of Salem were not good, okay? Hey, white people. I, quit appropriating black Do not condone, condone those culture. dreads. Yeah, it's okay. not good. Yeah, especially like, what's what is whiter than Salem, Massachusetts? Um, I'm sorry, could that water jug be bigger? <laughs> it's, it's like a tanker. It's sixty-four ounces. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than my head. It really is. I'm all dehydrated. Right, all right, all right. Do you have anything else to say about this positively, absolutely terrible shit show of a movie? We're sorry, Marnie. We hope you still listen um, to us, Marnie. I feel like. You've heard the podcast, right? Like, before you made the suggestion, you knew what was coming. Um, it's the same thing with our lovely Benjamin. It's like, you knew it was coming with Silence of the Lambs. It's like, For sure. you want us to point this stuff out. Oh, that's speaking, hopefully what we're bringing to this. You know? I hope we're bringing, that's what we bring to the to friendship. Uh, <laughs> uh, one point about the Patreon, now that we're talking about it. I'm very sorry the March bonus episode didn't happen in March. I've had a shitload of life admin going on. But April, we're getting dead silence. And I know what you did last summer. So we're going to give it back Can't in spades, baby. Wait. Wow. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Sarah Michelle Geller, fucking Freddie Prince Jr., Ryan Philippi. Can you get any more 90s? Uh, no, I can't. I couldn't have anything more that I wanted. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, I have nothing else to say about this movie. Nor do I, madam. Oh, except for that it has a 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's very generous. The fuck? Like, what? No. As above, I think As Above, So Below deserves more than this movie. Because, like, (laughs) they didn't even, like, our protagonist made a 
a total 180 at, in the middle of the movie with no character development. Like, it's not He's not probably super well going to, like, go to law school and, like, fight against human trafficking or something. I think if it was literally any other actor, I would have absolutely hated the character. But I love Jay Hernandez, and I think he's a really good actor, so. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I'm not going to say anything else about Jay Hernandez because I've already perpetrated racism against him once Oops. in this podcast. So, <laughs> um, let's okay. start off with fucking sorry, my Jay. shitty perpetration of racism against Jay Hernandez today. What would you like to fuck? Uh, the American nationalism. Yeah, nasty, nasty, nasty as shit. Fuck. Fuck Fat Abu phobia. Ghraib. Fuck the war on Fuck terror. Hey, George W. Bush, we know you're a painter now, but you're still a motherfucking war criminal. You're still a war criminal. Find a really tall tower and jump the fuck off. Yeah, like, kill yourself, George. actually. Yeah. Fuck George W. Bush. You are not a friend of the pod, George. You're really not. Or honestly, most American presidents. I'd also Love like you. to, yeah, all, <laughs> oh. all American presidents are criminals. Sorry. True. Uh, I'd also like to encourage Rob and Sherry Moon Zombie to fuck each other in a nice way. In a nice way. I think Jay Hernandez should fuck whoever he wants in, in a nice way. Who do you too. think he's having sex with right now? Someone really hot. I'm he sure. was, um, he was Mila Kunis's love interest in the Bad Moms movie Cute. series. He'd which be is, my love interest. In everyday life, too. He is married to a lady named Daniela Deutscher. They've been married since 2006. Congratulations. I guys don't know who she is, but <laughs> they look great together. Right. He's Magnum P.I. You know, he's doing just fine. Someone had to be Magnum P.I. It might as well be him. He looks good in a Hawaiian shirt. That's all I can say. Not a me- Not many people do. It's yeah, it's true. Um. I really do. I would love to see more Latinx representation in horror movies and Asian representation and black representation and indigenous representation. And it is literally anybody. Anybody but white people. Yeah, no more white men, except we're probably going to cover hundreds more movies centering white men. Hundreds. But here we are. And if you have good uh, suggestions for movies that feature underrepresented populations that you think are doing the work, let us know. Or anybody. Yeah, whatever. Just follow Marnie's. Yeah. You know. Marnie found her her. email address, okay? (laughs) Where? Thank you. Do you know how excited I get when I get an email that's not from Capital One? Like, (laughs) hell yeah. Yeah, I we were so excited. We are basically celebrities, guys. We love you guys. Although I think the idea of celebrity is pretty gross, but I don't want to be a celebrity. This is about community building and mutual aid. Yeah. This is yeah. not about getting famous because we never will because you're brown and I'm fat, so get over that. So what are you going to do about <laughs> it? All right. Mm. Uh, at Spooky Succubus underscore cast on Instagram. Our link tree has all the shits, including our email address, which Marnie tracked down like the queen that she is. Actually, sorry, Marnie. I don't know your pronouns. So forgive me if it's not she, her. The queen that they, they are. are. Uh, and next week we'll be back with Sleepaway Camp. I'm so excited. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.